Hi, welcome to Dr. Colbert's Divine Health Podcast. I'm Mary Colbert. And I'm Dr. Colbert. We're talking about a, a topic that, you know, usually the pastors, the preachers talk about, but you're coming from a different perspective, Don, okay. on the health side of deadly emotions and how this affects their health. That's why we're doing exactly. this podcast. It's really important. I think people are going to love the information. Well, again, with most chronic disease, we see a strong emotional component to many diseases. It's amazing how many people with chronic disease, including fibromyalgia, chronic pain syndromes, chronic you know, fatigue syndrome, as well as many arthritis, usually they have a fence. At the root of these diseases is a deadly emotion. And what James 3.16 says is, for where envy and strife is, there's confusion in every evil work. But where strife is, there's also a fence. And it's interesting that Psalms chapter 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the sea of the scornful, because, again, that's the seat of the scornful. So many Christians are sitting in the seat of the scornful, the offended, where there's envy and strife, where there's confusion, where there's every evil work. You're wondering why you're confused. You're wondering why you got brain fog. You wonder why you're sick. You wonder why many times at the root of most chronic disease, there's deadly emotions. And the deadly emotion, the entry deadly emotion I see is offense or strife. And Proverbs 6.19 tells about the six things the Lord hates. He says, no, there's seven. And the last one is he that sows discord among the brethren. And if someone has offended you, or, and so what we have to do, we have to diagnose the problem. Just like when someone comes into my office and I diagnose their illness, well, many times we diagnose their deadly emotion. And almost always at the root of many of the deadly emotions, be it depression, be it anxiety, be it uh, unforgiveness, be it uh, hatred, bitterness, there's that offense. And that offense is, is like, uh, again, it's a wound. You've been wounded. And many times that wound's infected. And what is important is what Hebrews chapter 12 15, verse 15 tells us, it says, watch out lest any poisonous root of bitterness spring up. Uh, and what it says, it'll inf uh, that the offense, that offense will actually poison others. Let me get the exact. You know, Don, it's amazing, too. I've seen this in your practice. You know, one particular person stands out in my mind who came in. She was pretty uh, healthy, pretty attractive, not too unhealthy, but she was going through an ugly divorce. And her husband cheated on her with her best friend. And it was devastating to her and it was horrible to her. But she went through these process of where her husband, the woman that he had the affair with, which was her best friend, the best friend's husband found out about the affair because he didn't know and came over and beat that guy up severely, put him in the hospital. <laughs> right. And then she was trying to walk in love toward her husband, spirit of forgiveness. And so she was visiting her husband at the hospital and trying to show some sort of sense of compassion on him because, I mean, the guy beat him up pretty bad. And so she would come and visit him. And then one day she came back to the hospital and he wasn't there. And so she was like, where is he? And he goes, well, I think his wife came and got him. And it wasn't her, of course. 
It was the girlfriend he was having the affair with. So she felt stupid and humiliated, and we watched her health slowly deteriorate to the point that she developed this crippling arthritis and ended up in a wheelchair. And I literally watched her obsession with being the rejection and the betrayal and the hurt. You see, they're going about their life. They're fine. I mean, these two people aren't thinking about her. So her bitterness and anger was eating up. It was like acid was destroying her insides. And that's what it does. In fact, that's exactly right. This was a lady who was suffering from rheumatoid arthritis. And and here her husband had run off with a younger woman. And and so, again, it just literally she would spew this venom of how much she hated her husband, how much she hated this woman. To anyone that would listen, she'd be in the waiting room spewing the venom. Yeah. And what happened is she infected others. How could anyone treat someone so badly, they would say. But again, finally, eventually we had to put this woman at the end of the day because she would infect everyone in my waiting room. And so this is the True. word. This is what Hebrews 12, verse 15 tells us. It says, Watch out lest any root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble. And by this, many become defiled. And what it, what it is, is bitterness, resentment, offense, unforgiveness is like leaven that'll leaven all the grain. Or it's like a rotten apple that'll cause every other apple in that, in that bushel of apples to become rancid or, or to become rotten. So again, it's, it's a canker. It's like a canker. One of the things I see with people, Don, is that have had hurts, you know, real hurts, betrayals like this woman and justifiable pain. You see this. It's literally justifiable. The problem is this. When you carry that in you and you don't let it go, we somehow people feel like, well, I need to make them pay. They need to pay for what they did. Oh, I understand that feeling. And I... And I'm not saying that they're going to escape paying for that. But this is one thing I found, that when you are the vengeance to those people, you set it in your heart to bring vengeance to them. You tie the hands of God from being able to bring vengeance on your behalf. When you release it, when you release it to God and you literally let it go and you give it to God, you have now unleashed heaven to work on your behalf, because whatsoever man sows, the Bible says those principles, that shall he also reap. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, he will reap. But this is the problem. If you think you have to see to it, they reap what they've sowed. Right. You have now not only bringing the curses on your body, which you are, you are causing harm to your own body. But also your mind, your, your mind, peace, your, your sleep. family, right. your kids. You're telling your kids what a horrible dad they have and what a scumbag he is and what he did. Okay, so what's happening now is because you're spreading this evil, you know, and it was evil that was done, you have now tied heaven's hands from being able to work on your behalf exactly god can't work on your behalf now right that's what's important because god can work in a way that you can't by releasing it to him mary this is why it's so important and you in the church when you hear this some say it's gossip it may be true though it may be true but you need to ask them who are saying this have you talked to them about this because scripturally speaking if you read matthew 18 
we are first to go to that person who offended us first. That's the first thing we're to do. And if you're listening to this and you're saying, oh, how bad, how they mistreated you, you are agreeing with them and you are signing for offense. You're going to be part of the problem. Don, we just had this happen yesterday. A woman minister was going behind this other minister's back telling people, don't do meetings with this guy. He's ungodly. He's had two affairs with two married women. And what happened is it gets back to this guy. And the guy's like, this is a lie. I want to know who said this. So he finds out who said it. But the person who was spreading it doesn't want to do Matthew 18, doesn't want to come in, doesn't want to give the names. So if a person isn't willing to do Matthew 18, they don't. Matthew 18. Let's just That's read really, Matthew really 18. That's really, critical. It's absolutely critical. But nip this gossip in the bud. Exactly. You can destroy people. You can destroy their ministries and their names through gossip. And I'm going to just tell you something. If someone brings you some sort of gossip about someone, you ask them. Have you gone to this person Absolutely. and talk, talk to them about it? Because that's what's key. If Here you, it is. You Here can't it is. spread it if you haven't gone to them. It's Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Now, again, your psychology and psychiatry books don't teach you this. Right. That's why the Bible tells us this. The church, generally speaking, hasn't had time to do this. Right. Okay, it's a fast food church. But what it says in Matthew 18, chapter 18, verse 15, moreover, if your brother sins against you, you, do you go tell and gossip about it? No, it says, go and tell him his fault between just you and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. So that's right. the first step, step right. number one. But first, let's diagnose it. If you have been offended, if you are angry, if someone has hurt you, first of all, is it your fault? Is it his fault? Is it your fault? Well, you need to analyze it and see, hey, am I just easily offended? Because, again, we're in the last days, church. According to Matthew 24, many will be offended and betray one another and hate one another. So you are, just, are you part of the easily offended? Do you carry the chip on your shoulder? Are you looking at things distorted? Are you looking through it through, uh, you know, dark glasses that see all the negative, that see everything, the glass half empty instead of half full? Are you that pessimist? So again, how is your discretion? How are you seeing things? Are you seeing things through the eyes of Jesus or through, through the eyes of grace or through the eyes of the law? Are you the letter of the law? They've, they've, are you keeping the record book of wrongs? Are you walking the love walk? So again, what, let's diagnose the problem. Is it your, are you able to forgive? Are you are you seeing things through the eyes of offense or through the eyes of grace? Many times it's someone has said something that you have misinterpreted. And as a result, you have become offended. Like, for example, many times when I was at church, I'd be so busy and I would be busy, you know, listening to the pastor, taking notes. And then I'd be answering questions. People have medical questions afterwards. And someone may have said hi or hello, and I may not have responded. Something was on my mind, or I was trying to, you know, call a script in or something. Or maybe they waved to you across the room, yeah. and they didn't realize you wear glasses. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't see them. <laughs> and you literally didn't see them. <laughs> and they said, well, he doesn't like me. He didn't acknowledge me. He didn't yeah. say hello. I'm offended. He, you know, I'm not, I don't want to come see him. I'm I'm getting my chart from him. It's just all kind of, it's, it's just crazy, dumb things because we misinterpret people. Many times it's our own stinking thinking. 
because we're judgmental. That's why, again, we go to Matthew. That's the big problem right there, Judgmental. We are judge and jury. Well, here's what we do. We got to practice Matthew chapter 7. And so Matthew chapter 7 simply says, judge not that you be not judged. And again, it says, in verse 3, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank or the log in your own eye? We're too judgmental, and we literally, we may look at the teeny little speck in our brother's eye, but we don't see the plank or the log in our eye. And so, again, that's because we're, we're easily offended. We're going back to the easily offended type. So, usually, we'll see, is it is it a true offense, or is it a offense that you think has and occurred imagined, imagined offense exactly right, right. and most of the time it's because we have imagined the offense now if it is a true offense if someone has gossip about you or said something terrible about you now if it's just uh one person's told you this again you should probably go to that person if someone has slandered you you first you you go to that person and you confront them and said is this true now, again, if you do this, you will nip it usually right in the butt. And so that's uh, simply Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. You go to the person. Now, if someone comes to you and, and says um, and, and starts gossiping and saying that so-and-so did this and this, you ask them, did you go confront them or ask them about that? And, and you simply say, go to them. It's kind of like if you don't, I, I love this example, it's kind of like, why are you dumping your trash in my trash can? Put the lid on your trash can and don't dump your trash or your offense in my trash can. I don't want to have to deal with it. Put your lid on so they can't dump your their emotional trash or their strife now, or if, their offense. And I like what uh, Andrew says. He says, if people keep coming to you and spreading gossip to you and junk to you that you don't know if it's true or not, but they're coming and telling you about it. That's because you look like a trash can. Know. You know, you you have you you send out the signals. Come dump on me. Come tell me all the gossip I want to know. Well, a lot of people love gossip because yeah. they That's can spread it. It's a life's aboard. They They're, don't have exactly. a life. They haven't gone and you know they're not doing anything so they become to be you know they thrive on hearing other people's misery they thrive on other people you know not doing good because they just don't have a life <laughs> and I, I used to hear people in my waiting room say oh i've got some juicy gossip let me tell you about this juicy gossip and spread that trash you need to put a, a lid on that garbage and yeah. just keep them from dumping in your garbage More can importantly seek god and get a life I mean, because, you know, God wants you to fulfill a purpose in your life. He wants you to fulfill your purpose. And I can tell you, being a trash can is not his purpose. Now, again, say someone has truly offended you. Then you go to them and you confront them and say, now, again, what if the person says it gets angry and then you get angry and then all of a sudden you retort, you give an angry answer or an angry retort. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you lose it and it you curse worse. them out and then you are part of the problem. So well, now then, you got to go get two or three people together and bring some neutral well, people in to bring peace. Well, first, you've got to repent for your response or your reaction. Yeah. And you've got to uh, ask God to forgive you. And maybe that person who literally holds 90 percent of the um, 
that needs 90% forgiveness, but you have 10% that needs to be done. But your reaction was ungodly. So exactly. now you got to go and say, look, I, you know, I'm sorry, you know, please forgive me. You know, I didn't react. You know, we had this happen and I, I, I'm transparent. I tell it all is we had an employee of ours and I called the staff and I needed to talk to this other employee and I was standing outside waiting before going into a place because I knew I'd lose reception. And I told one of our employees, I said, would you ask such and such, tell them I need to talk to them real quick. So I, they put me on hold and I'm standing there and I'm waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and I'm waiting and I look and I mean five minutes I'm on hold. So I hang back, I hang up and I call back. And I said, hey, what's going on? I asked you to get such and such on the call. Oh, well, she's outside talking to such and such. And, and uh, she told me she'd be with you in a little bit. Man. <laughs> you don't say that to Mary. Uh, so she gets on the phone finally. And I said, let me just tell you something. And I said it in a really firm and strong voice. Don't make me wait on you. You work for me. I don't work for you. And I was not happy because I'm standing outside waiting to go into this building and I couldn't go in. But she was just outside diddly-daddling and boy, I snapped at her. So it hurt her feelings the way I reacted to her. And one of the staff members came and said, man, she was crying after she hung up talking to you. You made her cry. And I was like, oh, I can be a real nerd sometimes. And so what happened is, this is a perfect example. Her, she was wrong. You know, her employer, her boss is on the phone and she decided to stand outside talking to this friend and just say, oh, tell her I'll get to her in just a minute. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she, her actions were wrong. She should have said, oh, Mary's on the phone. I got to go. I'll talk to you later and left instead of making me sit there on hold. But my reaction was, was over the top. Was over exactly. the top. So, so you know what you, I had to do? You, had, uh, you know what I did. So I go to her and told her, listen, I want to apologize. I overreacted. And I am so sorry. I said, what you didn't know is I was standing outside this building and I knew I'd lose signal the minute I go in. But I was having to stand outside in the sun waiting for you and all you're doing is talking to a friend and you're keeping me waiting and I said I heard that and it just you know I snapped and I went off but I'm sorry my reaction was wrong just now you know that when I call you sometimes I'm in an airport I may be boarding a plane our life is very busy and so our employees know that when we call on the phone we may just have minutes to give a message or answer a question and you can't be putting us on hold. It's not that we're that demanding or impatient because there's many times we can do that. But they don't know what's going on and where we are. But I can tell you, she doesn't put me on hold no more. <laughs> right. Well, again, but, that but she also knows I was humble enough. That's good. That's to good. apologize. And she really appreciated that. And absolutely right. So sometimes, see, you may be the offender. You right. will be the offender. Right. Sometimes it's the other person. Most of the time, it's both of you. It's, right. it's the person has offended you and you're rea you have reacted with the wrong reaction. So you both need to do some forgiving and some repenting. 
And again, it needs to be true repentance right. and true forgiveness. A lot of people are angry and they'll just uh, get real angry and self-righteous. So the way you know it's true repentance is you humbly repent. You say that, would you forgive me? Would you, just like you did, would you forgive me? A humble attitude. You humble yourself before them. Yeah, my and, reaction was over the top, and I knew that. So, and, yeah. and, and that's true repentance. That's good. Right. But then many times it's God. God does not want certain relationships. And so God is blocking something, and people get angry at a person, another person, or they get sometimes angry at God. But God is trying to lead you in the right direction. Now, let's say that you, you've gone to the person and that person doesn't forgive you or that person thinks that you are the problem. So what you do afterwards is you take, it says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 16, but if he will not hear, if he refuses to hear you, take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. So this is important. If the per and again, the church, this is supposed to be in the church. But again, most of our churches don't have time for this. So this is where arbitration may come in handy. A good Christian arbitrator or two or more Christians. Now, not necessarily on your side. It needs to be a person who literally will help arbitrate the issue and not take sides. Uh, don't take two people that agree with you and just see your side, but someone who's a pastor or someone who's a good Christian counselor, godly, that can be a good arbitrator and have arbitrated, especially two or more is best in that regard. Mm -hmm. But then if they refuse to hear them, then the next step is take it to the church. Now, unfortunately, the church today is not ready for this. People don't like confrontations, Don. And I see a lot of pastors are like, no, I don't want to get involved in that because they get too paranoid that here they have two members and they may end up losing one of their members right, if true. they get involved. And they become more concerned about their numbers than the godly principles being taught in their church. And, and the thing is, I mean, we are in need of pastors teaching disciples, making disciples, not just making converts, but making disciples. And I think that that is really has got to be taught to a lot of the pastors. They get so much into the numbers that they're just looking for the converts, but nobody is focusing in on how many have you made disciples? Because those are the ones who remain. Those are the ones who do the work. Those are the ones who are faithful and will build the church of Jesus Christ is the ones who are making disciples. Well, doing the uh, bringing two together and, and doing Matthew 18, that's making a church. That's teaching discipleship. Exactly right. And that's really, I just want to encourage pastors to be a part of that. Don't avoid confrontation. Don't avoid doing the biblical principles because now all you're doing is educating your parishioners to being good disciples. And that's that's really needed. Now, the last thing we need to do, Mary, is how do we forgive? It's teaching how people how to forgive. And again, that's what uh, the king in Matthew 18 forgave the one servant who owed him 10,000 talents, which is a specific amount, specific hurts. He forgave him all mm -hmm. of that. But this one fellow who owed all that money and was forgiven went out and 
had cast in prison, the one who only owed him, you know, three months wages after that. And so it got back to the king. And so he had him, the one who owed the unpardonable debt, which is Jesus, who who literally paid the price for us. Uh, this one that owed all that debt had to, uh, again, he had him cast into the pit or he had him cast in where there were the torturers, the tormentors. Mm -hmm. And those are the diseases that take over when you fail to forgive. So we have to learn to walk in forgiveness. And again, really daily thing, folks, it's, it's a, like it's a, a muscle. Thing. It's exercise. It is. We have it is. most Christians have it's flabby, not a one time thing. They no. have fat, flabby forgiveness muscles, but rock hard, strong, bulging muscles of offense and unforgiveness. So we have to practice forgiveness and practice it with our grandkids. That's what we do with our grandkids. And I got to tell you, Don, deep, deep hurt and deep wounds. It takes the Holy Ghost to help you do that. You can't really do exactly. this on your own. You really need the Holy Spirit to infuse you, to permeate your spirit, your mind, your body to enable you. And you have to ask for his help in that. You literally have to, from the depths of your heart, ask him to help you forgive this person. Because without the Holy Ghost, I mean, I'm not talking about stupid, frivolous, offenses deep wounded hurts exactly it requires the holy spirit to do that kind of work but forgiveness actually means to cancel the debt and people say but you don't understand how much they hurt me right or how they uh wounded me or how they slandered me but it's jesus or paul said it best in ephesians chapter 4 verse 31 32 it says let all not some but let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender hearted. Now, here's the key forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. In other words, the same way Jesus forgave you, we are to forgive others. But it's not fair, you say. Well, Jesus, it's a commandment, it's part of the love commandment. If you don't forgive, you are literally inviting in every disease, every painful disease, all the tortures, all the tormentors in Matthew 18. You're inviting those in your body, in your mind, losing your peace, losing your joy, losing your sleep, losing, uh, inviting depression in, fatigue in, all inflammatory disease when you fail to forgive. And so, again, it's just we have to do it. We have to literally, we have to practice forgiveness. If we don't, we get these big, bulging, unforgiveness muscles, muscles, offense <laughs> muscles, yeah. and these scrawny little muscles of, of forgiveness. You just read a scripture about for Christ's sake, God forgives. Read it. Read that part, that one little part about for Christ's sake. Okay, this is Ephesians 4. It says, forgive. Verse, verse 32 and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, now stop. has forgiven you. Okay. Even as God, listen to that. For what? For Christ's sake. For Christ's sake. All right. Now, what does that mean? That means when you hold on to unforgiveness, you are nullifying the purpose and the principle for all that Christ did and went through for our sakes. So when you forgive, you are honoring 
what Christ did for us. Absolutely. And when you don't forgive, you're dishonoring what Christ did for us. So for Christ's sake, God forgave us. What? Because he didn't want to nullify the benefit and the good of what Jesus did. And so to fulfill the forgiveness for the whole purpose of the cross is to reconcile us to God. And so for Christ's sake, he forgave us. Amen. And so when you forgive, you're honoring Jesus. Exactly. And when you unforgive and you hold on to offenses, you're dishonoring Jesus. Exactly. Do you understand? So when you get a revelation of that. That's good. That's very good. You're now going to quickly forgive. Why? Because you would nothing in your life would you ever want to do to dishonor the precious name of Jesus and who he is. So for Christ's sake. Yes. For, forgive. Forgive. And it's a decision. <laughs> and it's simply canceling the debt and do it for Christ's sake. It's so good. Yeah. You'll get a revelation of this. Yeah. And walk in forgiveness. Not once a week. Not once a month. But every day. That's every right. minute. People are going every day offend you. Most right. likely. And practice walking free of offense. Full of forgiveness. And literally Keep no record of wrongs. And now you are lifting up the name of Jesus. You're being an example of him. You're representing the kingdom as an ambassador for the kingdom of God. And so in in doing so, you are now humbling yourself. And the Bible says, if you humble yourself, God will exalt you. You don't need to exalt yourself. God will exalt you by walking in the correct spirit of God, which is in a position of humility. Now, this is in my book, Deadly Emotions. I updated that book last year. If you have a hard time forgiving, this book will teach you how. And again, it it teaches you the baby steps. We can all do it. It's just simply recognizing that forgiveness is a decision and forgiveness is canceling the debt. And the same way Jesus forgave us, we are to forgive others. Once you get that revelation, you can do it. The Holy Spirit will help you. We've helped a lot of people. We do this in my practice every day with patients. Some people can't forgive themselves. They can't forgive others. So we help them to forgive themselves and others. And as a result, so many are set free of their illness, mental, emotional illness, and physical illness when they learn how to forgive and they practice forgiveness. Go to drcolbert.com and you can see where our two offices are in Texas and in Florida. And also go to our website and you'll see all the different products that Dr. Colbert has formulated. It's his formulation. And we're just doing this to your health so that you may walk in divine health. And Don has a book on deadly emotions that you can get on our website, uh, which covers a lot of details. A lot of good information in there that you can learn and be, be the smartest one in your group. God bless you and walk in divine health. God bless you. Until next time, we'll see you.